Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. What was it like to be a shepherd over 2,000 years ago? Tending flocks with agriculture formed the basis of the Holy Land's economy, and sheep raised on the hillsides around Bethlehem may well have been destined for temple sacrifices in Jerusalem, only six miles to the north. Let's keep watch over their flock with the shepherds mentioned in Luke's Infancy Gospel, along with theologian pastor Dr. Ralph F. Wilson. Our word Christ, of course, comes from the Greek adjective Christos, anointed, fulfiller of the Israelite expectation of a deliverer, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. The Hebrew equivalent, Mashiach, is transliterated in English as Messiah. In the Hellenistic period of Judaism after 331 BC, Jews came to use Messiah to designate a future agent to be sent by God, usually to restore Israel's independence and righteousness. However, there is some variation in the way Messiah figures were pictured. Not all the references are concerning a Davidic Messiah. Hope for this coming Messiah is not centered on religious concerns primarily but in some kind of triumph in the last days. The Jewish expectation alluded to in the New Testament seems to be an expectation of a divinely appointed royal deliverer who will purify the nation. The angel's declaration, however, doesn't use the word Christ by itself, but in the phrase Christ the Lord. Lord is the Greek kurios, owner, lord, master, of earthly beings as a designation of any person of high position. When Jews read the Hebrew scriptures, whenever the divine name Yahweh appears, it is never pronounced, but the Hebrew noun Adonai is substituted. The Greek Septuagint Old Testament usually employed kurios, Lord, to translate the Hebrew Adonai. What did the angel mean by putting these two words, Christos and kurios, together? This phrase is used nowhere else in the New Testament exactly this way. A minor textual variant renders it the Lord's anointed, but the meaning seems to be the highest conceivable and most lofty designation of Christ, that is, the Lord Messiah, or the Messiah and the Lord, with connotations of kurios used of Yahweh himself, rather than just of an exalted personage, a Savior who can be regarded as the Messiah Yahweh. When the shepherds, and later Mary, begin to ponder the angel's exalted title for this baby, the implications are staggering. How would the shepherds know that the angel's message is true? Verse 12, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Sign is the Greek noun semeon, a sign or distinguishing mark whereby something is known, sign, token, indication. The sign consists of two elements. The baby is, one, wrapped in cloths, and two, lying in a manger. Baby is the Greek noun brephos, a very small child, baby infant. The term can even be used of an unborn child or fetus. The phrase, wrapped in swaddling clothes, or cloths, translates the Greek verb sparganao, to wrap in pieces of cloth used for swaddling infants. Wrap up in cloths. These were strips of cloth like bandages wrapped around young infants to keep their limbs straight. There's nothing unique about being wrapped thus. 
While an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes would be a newborn, there were perhaps several newborns in Bethlehem wrapped up in this manner that evening. However, the second sign was that the newborn would be found in a manger. That was unique. The Greek noun is phatne, manger crib feeding trough. A manger would indicate the location in some kind of stable. The second century legend indicates that this was in a cave. After the angel's startling declaration, the heavens revealed a huge crowd of angelic beings. Verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men upon whom his favor rests. The crowd is described with two phrases, one, great company or multitude, Greek plethos, crowd, throng, host, assembly, and two, heavenly host. Host is the Greek noun strateia, a military term that means army. God's heavenly army is mentioned several times in Scripture. This heavenly army is praising God. The Greek verb here and in verse 20 is aineo, to praise, with the root idea of express approval. It may have been a heavenly choir, as in popular Christmas lore, but the scripture doesn't explicitly say that they are singing as angels in Revelation. Here they seem to be chanting in unison or speaking. Greek lego, utter words, say. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The content of their praise is, one, to give glory to God, and two, to offer a blessing of peace to men. Glory is the Greek noun doxa, which we saw in verse 9. Here it is used in another sense. Honor as an enhancement or recognition of status or performance. Fame, recognition, renown, honor, prestige. Glory is often used in the New Testament in the context of praise. These angels honor God as being highest in a spatial sense, in contrast to earth, mentioned in the next phrase. The angels promise peace, peace between God and mankind, which essentially amounts to salvation. We're used to the word, on earth peace, goodwill toward men, King James Version. But more ancient Greek manuscripts indicate that a better translation is on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests, the NIV. The idea is that God extends his peace and salvation to his favored people, those whom he sovereignly chooses or elects to favor and save. Now the shepherds have a choice. Verses 15 to 18. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, 
the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They hurried to Bethlehem. Where do you find a manger? In a stable, of course. So they check out the stables in this village and come across one with a baby sleeping in it. They meet the holy family and share with them their story of the angelic visitation. Then they go and tell others what the angels have told them, just like the villagers did after the remarkable birth of John the Baptist. The NIV's translation, spread the word, seems to miss the point, which is rendered well in the King James Version and New Revised Standard Version. They made known what they had been told about this child. The angel's announcement of a Savior, Christ the Lord, is spread throughout the area, resulting in amazement among the hearers. Verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. If you are Mary, you have much to think about. Luke uses two verbs to describe her thinking process. Treasured up, or kept all these things, is the Greek verb syntereo, to store information in one's mind for careful consideration hold or treasure up in one's memory. Pondered is the Greek verb symbolo, a compound word made from sin, together, and balo, throw, which means here, to give careful thought to, consider, ponder, something similar to our colloquial, get it all together. Consider what she has to make sense of. One, her own announcement of the birth by Gabriel. Two, the story of Zechariah's vision in the temple, which she has heard when she visited Elizabeth. 3. Elizabeth's prophecy. 4. Her own prophetic praise. And 5. Zechariah's prophecy when John the Baptist was born, which she may have been present to hear, a lot for a teenage girl to integrate into her own understanding and circumstances. Verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard which were just as they had been told. The final scene in this passage is the shepherds climbing back up the hill to where their flocks lie. The angel had told them what to expect, and that's just the way they found it. We leave them glorifying and praising God. Greek doxatsa. What are we disciples supposed to get out of this telling of the story of Jesus' birth? Several things. One, God brings good news to the poor and humble. The shepherds, sometimes despised by their countrymen, were the first recipients of the good news of Jesus' birth. Since God is no respecter of persons, we aren't to show favoritism either. Two, the glory of the Lord is powerful and huge. Just because we don't see it visibly doesn't mean that God isn't active. He often works in quiet ways. Only occasionally does he confirm his presence in miraculous ways. 3. Jesus is the heir of David. 4. Jesus is the expected Savior, Messiah, Master, Lord, God in our midst. 5. The good news is for all people, Jew or Gentile. 6. Not all people, however, receive God's peace, but only those whom he has sovereignly chosen. Don't let suggestions of predestination trouble you. Be humble enough to allow God to be sovereign beyond your own meager understanding of these things. Deal with it. And seven, 
appropriate responses to this good news include great joy, praise, curiosity to confirm its truth, amazement, telling others, and thoughtful meditation. Nowhere do we see unbelief. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text history, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.